through uh, the five values that we have as ECOB in three weeks, but I was to spend the three weeks on this first one, which is all exciting and everything sounds uh, wonderful, uh, but it, it is, it's challenging because uh, it, it forces us when God does that. When the Holy Spirit speaks to us, it forces us to lean in even more and, and set aside things uh, that, that are distracting or whatever. And I love doing that, and I, I know you do too. In the heart of that, though, is for us to understand why this is so important. You know, values that I talked about last week, you know, the idea of a value is it's not like a goal where it's about a destination. It's about how you get there. It's about the things that, that filter decision-making, even, even in your own lives, in your homes, in, in your workplaces. Those of you that own businesses, you know, there are values that guide and drive every part of that and shape how things are done. And so collectively as a church, we have a great responsibility, not only as we engage in that individually, but that, that plays into very significantly to how we collectively come together and seek God. How we let decisions, or excuse me, how we let these values, these convictions guide and direct us and, and filter everything we do. But that's what God's called us to do, isn't it? It's, it's not just to be here and just kind of see how this thing goes and, and go at it however we feel. Last week I talked about the, the great importance of God dependence as a foundational value. All the others rise out of it. And while you look at God dependence, I, I think for a lot of us, particularly if you know church speak, is that you, know, you, you can kind of build a case on that and say, okay, well, that makes sense to me. But I began last week and talked about dependence on God really is demonstrated primarily by knowing God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. If we don't have Jesus, we don't have anything. You know, he is the one who God provided so that we once again, after, after uh, the, the fall, could come before God and be right, be righteous. And so that is nurtured, that is developed in a daily relationship. I've been in churches, you've been in churches where there's a lot of God talk, there's a lot of spiritual talk, and I suppose we get caught up into that too. But there's not a lot of talk about what it means to walk with Jesus every day. And that's what God dependence, I believe, ultimately is. God's not something. Jesus is not something. The Holy Spirit is not one that we just add on to. But as I continue to dwell on this in my own heart, there are some things that I believe are absolutely practical approaches to how you follow Jesus every day. Now we know there's those disciplines of, of Bible study and reading and prayer and meditation, fellowship with others, uh, and, and we could go on, the list is great. But what's that mean tomorrow morning when you get up? Because dependence on God is not something we think about once a week. We shouldn't. Our very, our very yearning for breath should be a yearning for Jesus. And so I want to talk a little more, perhaps practical today. I want us to think about, if, if dependence on God is demonstrated by knowing God in a daily walk with Jesus, then dependence on God, I believe Scripture tells us, is a faith 
It is a faith. And it plays itself out in a couple different ways. The first of those ways, I believe, is, is a, faith, a faith of trusting God with our circumstances. All the situations in life. And so, let's think about this tangibly. Um, I, I want you to shout out um, some everyday, normal happening circumstances that, that we may face. And, and I'll start with an example. Uh, for those of you who are parents, one of the normal everyday things we face is where our kids are at, when, and how we get them there, right? And, and you all know that while that may be challenging on some days, not very challenging on other days, it can totally wreak havoc, not by the fault of the kids or sometimes maybe by the fault of the kids. That's a very normal circumstance every day. And so my question for us in that and other circumstances that you're going to share, where's Jesus? Who is Jesus in that? And I believe as we start to look at that, that's where we begin to understand this value of God dependence very practically. So share with one another. Shout out if you have a a, a normal everyday experience. It may provide a challenge. It may not. What are some normal everyday experiences that we all go through? Or, or some of us. Things break. Things break, okay? Mark's a dairy farmer, so something on the farm breaks. Happens in our houses, happens other places. Okay, what else? Homework, all right? Diapers. You, <laughs> diapers. you gotta change diapers of, of, of babies. You gotta keep care of them. What are some other normal things we face? Okay, uh, I heard two things. Jim? Driving. Long commute. Other things we face? Work <laughs> from the background. It wasn't God, it was Dick. Taxes, all right? Yeah, you, you got to pay taxes. Somebody in the first service, service said, paying bills. Uh, think about relationships with spouse, with kids, with, with parents, with grandparents. And we all know in one day, sometimes in an hour, is that can be a, the most beautiful of relationship and whoop, it changes 180 degrees, and it is, a, it is a thorn, and you're like, how do we figure this out? And sometimes, we're the cause of it. So my question is, there, the circumstances are, are many. How do we know Jesus in that? We just pull out the Bible, read a verse, and say, okay, Jesus. I mean, what, what does that look like? But what I want to share today, it's not about a formula, but it's about where our hearts are at. So what I want you to do right now is in your bulletin, you, you have a page for sermon notes. I know some of you love to do that. Others do not. It feels too much like school. And, and so I encourage you to write down because writing is important. But if you don't write down, what I want you to do is I want you to plant something in your mind. And what I want you to plant in your mind as we walk through this today is I want you to think about a particular circumstance that you are going through right now. Maybe you're in a job change. Maybe vacation's coming in a couple weeks and you're trying to get ready for that. Maybe you have a child that this is, is not following uh, orders and the relationship is, is it's rough right now. But I want you to think for a minute. Again, it doesn't have to be something negative. It can be something good. But I want you to write down or write in your mind a specific circumstance that you're going through. Okay? So take a moment and do that. Be as specific as possible.
you're still working, keep, uh, make sure you get one down. But don't give up on it. I want us to think a little bit today about the disciples. And if you know anything about the New Testament, and you may or may not, but these, these men um, were invited to come and follow. And, and for Jesus, he showed up right smack dab in the middle of some circumstances. Of, of fishermen who were having a bad day, not catching any fish. Uh, of a tax collector who was making out pretty good. But Jesus met them right in the middle of their circumstances. And what he says to them is, come on, drop it, let it go, come on. But we got to do, but we got, come on. If, if Here's your option, come. And then what we see in the narrative of the Gospels is we see over and over again where the disciples are learning how to know Jesus, try to predict Jesus a little bit, try to love Jesus, and try to really follow him. And there's just some hilarious scenarios and circumstances that go on. And there's some really painful ones. Jesus has just taught them a very key truth. And so now they're living into a circumstance. And it's like they were sleeping the whole time he was making his point. Sounds a little bit like us, right? I mean, how many times do, do we go back later and it's like, oh man, I knew that. I knew that. But it's also what challenges us, isn't it? I had that experience in that circumstance, and from my perspective, God didn't show up, and so I'm not sure I'm going to go that route anymore. And all the while is this tension and this struggle of, so how do I walk with Jesus? Particularly when I don't always get what I want or I think I need from Jesus. Well, trusting God with our circumstances, I believe in Scripture, shows its way in a, in, a, in a couple of key ways. And the first one is this. And again, keep thinking back to your own circumstances that you've written out. Trusting God with our circumstances, in a lot of ways, means to commit our circumstances to Jesus in faith. Committing our circumstances to God, to Jesus in faith. Now, there's a difference here than what you may be thinking. A lot of people say, I'm going through this, good or bad. I'm going through it, and I've prayed to God about it. Good thing. I've talked to Jesus about it. But often, it's not a commitment. Often what it is, is here's the situation, and we say to Jesus, we say to God, we say to the Holy Spirit, here it is, um, do this, take care of that, um, just work it out, be in it. Now, sometimes we have very vivid ideas of what we think that needs to be. But when we simply make requests before God, it's not necessarily a commitment to God. A commitment to God looks a little bit what I believe we see in Esther. Esther is this woman of great beauty, but also other characteristics, other abilities she was positioned as her people, the Jewish people, were exiled into a foreign land. And she has taken notice, she has become noticed by the king. And because of God working in the people of God and in that foreign land, something is going on. In fact, there's this kind of rebel out there who is trying to manipulate the king to kill the Jews. They're just a nuisance to us. They're getting in the way. And in the middle of this story, Esther is gaining influence with the king. 
And so her cousin Mordecai says, they're going to kill us. And I believe, I believe God is saying for such a time as this that you need to speak to the king. Well, you don't just do that. He could kill you right there. And oftentimes that happened. Esther was struggling this with this. We would be too. It's easy to look at the pages of scripture and know the truth of those stories and say, well, I'd have done that. Yeah, not always that easy, is it? You hope we would. But then we pick up the story after some, some wrestling. We pick up the story in verse 15 of Esther chapter 4. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, her cousin. Go gather together all the Jews who are on Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Now, we'll talk about outcomes in a little bit. But here's what I love about the story of Esther in this very uh, key scene. Is that Esther committed what she was about to do to God. And I'm sure there was requests in that. Okay, God, please spare my life. But because of what we know from Esther and her relationship with God is that she did not just to commit to the circumstances, commit those to God simply for an outcome. What she was doing is she was not simply requesting. She was saying, God, here I am. That's committal. You see, so often what happens, we commit a circumstance to God, and what God says in his word is, I want you. I want you. I'll take care of your circumstance, but I want you. That's dependence on God. And so when we commit, we are essentially surrendering to God and saying, God, yes, this circumstance, it's on my mind. It's worrying me. It's bothering me. I don't know what's going to happen. But in my committing this to you, here's my commitment. Me. And sometimes what God says is, okay, good. Get out of the way. Just get out of the way. But if we're going to trust in the promises of God, we got to know them. Which means we got to be in God's word. we got to read. we got to study. we got to meditate. Which sounds like a whole lot of work. Yeah, it is. But it's good and it's necessary as we walk with Jesus every day. This week, Jim Nicewander, a member of this church, many of you remember him in the overcoat out by the door greeting you as you walked in every Sunday morning. Jim passed away um, after complications from his surgery and then um, two strokes, one mild that did not take his life and then finally one that took his life. And this week, Pastor Stan and an elder from a German, uh, the German Baptist Church that was a dear friend of Jim's for about 50 years, they led the funeral, the celebration of life. Pastor Stan invited uh, Dean, Dean Garber was his name, and he came up and he said this, and it, it blew me away. He said, I'm going to share with you a passage of scripture today, and then what we're going to do is we're going to give way. Here's what he meant. He said, we are going to go to the word of God because it's the word of God that gives us life and truth. And then what we're going to do is we're not going to impose on it what we want to. We're not going to say about it what we think it needs to say. We're not going to twist it into a situation to give us, to make us feel good. He said, we're going to give way. 
he could have stopped right then in my mind. Because what he was saying is, I believe, how we commit our circumstances to God and how we do that by looking to Scripture. We read, we look to Jesus, and then we give way. April and Bill, you're back. Welcome back. I'm so sorry. They've been gone for months in California. It's so good to see you again. Sorry, squirrel. I didn't see them yet, and I've missed them. It's so good to see you guys. So anyways, the point is, is that too many times we give a circumstance to God, and, and, and we can't tell him what to do with it. That's not dependence on God. Dependence on God says, it's yours. But more importantly, I am yours. Now I'll give way. Esther was willing to accept the consequences. It wasn't while she wanted and was hoping deeply that God would respond in a way. She could say, if I perish, I perish, because to her the more important thing was that she laid herself before God. Psalm 56.4 says this, and if you, you want to learn from the scriptures about trust, if, if, if you want truth, that um, penetrates your heart and mind and soul, sometimes by a smack in the face or a knock in the head, go to Psalms. Go to the writers of the Psalms. Now, these people don't just sit somewhere in their little lofts and think of all these great things inspired by God. No, these, are, these people are living. They go through circumstances, some very similar in principle to the circumstances you go through. And they wrestle with God, and they gripe to God, and they weep before God, and they say things like this before God. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. Scripture for us is that place of grounding in our relationship with Jesus Sometimes I hear people say, I've said it. Well, God already knows the details. But God wants to hear from you. Well, God already knows what's going to happen. God already is going to do what he's going to do. Shouldn't I just kind of hang back? No, God wants to meet with you. That's dependence on God when you, I, we recognize that. Yeah, we're not going to tell God much that he doesn't already know anything, matter of fact. But just like you parents, when that child, a teenager, or that young married, my, my heart still flutters when I talk to my daughter who's married. So I love to hear from her. I love to hear, hi, Daddy. That's how God is with us. Yeah, I want to hear about circumstances. God wants to hear about circumstances, but he wants to hear from you. That's God dependence when we recognize that. Look back to your circumstance you wrote down or you wrote here. Have you committed that to God? Seriously, have you committed it? I don't know the answer to that, but you do. Have you just thrown some prayers out there hoping they stick? Or have you truly, in heart and mind, perhaps in posture, been on your knees and committed that to God? I want you to take a look at a video, and uh, it helps us understand and illustrates a bit about what I believe is another part of this trust. Take Jesus, a look at this. I just don't trust you. You don't trust me? No. I mean, I want to trust you. I just don't. <laughs> I have an exercise that I think will really help you. Oh, okay. Stand here and face this direction. Mm -hmm. Now, do you trust me? Uh, no. I just said I don't trust you. 
Right. Well, this is all part of the exercise. Oh, all right. right. Okay. Whenever I ask you if you trust me, you say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Even though I don't. It's practice. Okay. So, do you trust me? <laughs> yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Are you going to catch me? Don't worry about that part. Okay, that's the part I'm worried about. <laughs> you can do this, okay? Just trust me. Trust you. Fall back. Okay, well, Jesus, I trust Good. you. <laughs> yes, I do trust you. I'm going to fall okay. back. Woo! Oh, okay. <laughs> that's great. Uh, okay. Let's try this again. Just face this direction and keep your feet planted, all right? Do you trust me? <sighs> yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Okay, I'm gonna do it. All right. I'm really gonna do it. <laughs> okay. Good. Ah! Oh, Jesus, you really caught me! I didn't think you were gonna catch me, but you did! Oh, that this was great! Amazing. That was great! You're ready for level two! Level two, here yes. I come, baby! Woo! Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> okay, hold it. <laughs> oh, you know what? You're too close. You need to move back. <laughs> ah, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this one's a little bit different, Laura. Oh, okay. Uh, stand here. Uh huh. But face me. Forward fall. Okay. I can do that. Wait. Whoa. Okay. Um, wait for my signal. Oh, right. The Jesus signal. Yes. The okay. Jesus signal. Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus. I trust you so much. Good. Fall back. <laughs> That's awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> Especially when you do it. Seriously? Of course. Okay, Jesus. I don't know if you noticed this, but there is nobody over there. I know it looks that way to you. It looks that way. It is that way. You can do this, Laura. Just trust me and fall back. Jesus, I can't do that. We can do it together. I can't. You can. I won't. We have a choice, don't we? Remember the rich young ruler? story in Matthew 19 as well as some of the other gospels there's this young man who has a lot of wealth and what we see is a commitment to Jesus because he went to Jesus Jesus didn't go to him he went to him and essentially says Jesus I have a lot I commit it to you so, so what do I need to do now and, and he kind of takes this first step of trust. And so you may know the response. Jesus says, okay, now act on that trust and give it all away. And just like we saw here, the, the sad response was walking away. I can't do that, the young ruler said. I, I can't do it. Trusting is about committing ourselves and our circumstance to God, but trust also plays out every day in how we respond by action and faith. Now that looks a whole lot of different ways, but it's what God calls us to do as people of faith. Maybe better said, people with faith. Let faith not be something that just is a label that's put on you. Let it be something that you embody. In Luke 5, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus has been around and he's been teaching. Ministry is ramping up. By all the growth numbers and the percentages, it is a successful ministry at this point. 
So much so he goes into this house and people are crawling through the windows and everything else to try to hear. Just hear a little nugget from this man who has authority and speaks with it as he speaks truth from God. And we pick it up in chapter 5, verse 18. Some men came to that place carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him to the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Again, kind of interesting the outcome. I don't know that that's really what the guys were shooting for. But Jesus knew. What I love about this, this story, this truth that I see in this scene, is I love the fact that these men had to act. Now, I don't know the backstory here. There's not, not a lot here in Scripture that what kind of relationship they had with this paralyzed man. Now, we know the man. We see him in other settings described in Scripture. He was very familiar to a lot of people because he was out in public laying on his mat. And often how he got from one place to the other was because people picked him up and moved him, took him where he needed to go. But in this case... These men made the decision, how much counsel from this guy on the mat, I'm not sure, but they knew, and what tells me they knew, and they acted in faith, was because when they got to the house, all of the signs were, well, sorry, full house today, we'll have to catch Jesus tomorrow, he'll be around. Because it didn't go as they planned. We got a guy on a mat here, people, get out of the way so we can get through the door. He's paralyzed, he needs Jesus. And we know Jesus has been healing. They wouldn't move. And so they said, okay. We'll go up onto the roof. Yeah, stairs up to the roof, very typical thing. But they had to dig. They had to dig. They had to fight against the obstacles. Dig and create a contraption to lower this guy down. That's, that's some response there, isn't it? That's no easy task. They acted on their faith. They trusted that God, that Jesus would do something. God would do something through Jesus. Often as we look at our circumstances, we're afraid to act or we begin to act and there's an obstacle. And I I say to you, church, as I say and, and, and say this to myself, is that so many times, just like that video, we think there's obstacles. There's nobody back there to catch us. And God says, you're not seeing the whole picture. You cannot see the whole picture. You are human. I am divine. Trust me. Again, this is where experience is very difficult. Some of you I know in relationships in your life where you have loved and cared for people over and over again and you've gotten smacked in the face over and over again. What I tell you is not that you shouldn't have good boundaries, but what I tell you is that you're not, you cannot see the entire picture. But the Jesus you're trusting and committing that circumstance to can. And so I see response and action in faith, happening in two ways in Scripture. Sometimes a response means you start something. In other words, this situation, maybe that circumstance on your paper right now, maybe it's because you have not taken this step as guided by the Lord. And so Jesus says to us, this is how I want you to respond in faith. I want you to do. I want you to begin. I want you to start. 
Don't be passive anymore. How do you figure that out, Dan? That's between you and Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great thing for me to throw out now. Because we want people to give us answers, don't we? Just tell me what to do. And sometimes that starting is actually learning more about what's going on in that situation. Learning about maybe your own things, your own sin that is getting in the way that is preventing that situation from resolving. And again, I don't know what you wrote specifically, and I don't know if that's the case. But sometimes it means that you need to start something. Sometimes what I see as we respond in faith is sometimes what it means is you need to stop something. You're trying to control it too much. You're, 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 you're speaking the faith talk, the daily relationship talk with Jesus, but you're still trying to make it happen. That's my tendency. Well, if I just do this and this a little bit more, in my mind, it's obedience, obedience. And Jesus says, just get out of the way. There's wrestling in that, but there's knowing God in that. You know, as I look out and as, as we prepared for the life at home and, and the, the resources out there. If you open one of those pointers, what you will see is you will see suggestions and a whole lot of circumstances, some of which you have written down today or in your mind, and you will see some great counsel on maybe you need to start doing this in that circumstance, or maybe you need to stop doing this. That's why that resource is so valuable. We are going to do a spiritual assessment as we launch a new campaign in just a few weeks called Prayer 752. And we're going to ask you all, we are going to do once again, now that it's been about 120 days, how have the last 20, 120 days been spiritually for you? And sometimes our response to that is to start something. Sometimes it's to stop something. Think back to that personal circumstance. What do you think God's asking you to do in that? Nothing? Maybe so. Maybe that's the stopping. Now here's what's interesting. Is that we can have a faith where we trust God with our circumstances and we commit and respond. But here's the one other thing I want to share with us this morning. Is that dependence on God. Dependence on God is knowing Jesus beyond the outcomes. Because here's the truth we all know, and some of you have already been thinking this. Dan, I've committed the circumstance. I've committed myself in this circumstance on this piece of paper in front of me. And I have sought to be obedient, and I've started some things that I needed to start, and I've stopped some things I've needed to stop. And you know what? I'm more disappointed than ever. I'm more hurt than ever. I'm more confused than ever. God dependence is beyond the outcomes. God dependence says no matter what human measures for a situation is that when I walk out of that situation or walk through that situation, my reward is one thing, and that's knowing Jesus Christ. Because I'll tell you, you already know this. This is not new news. There will be outcomes that will be incredibly difficult. And it doesn't make sense. There will be times God seems to be everywhere but in the middle of your circumstance. 
Outcomes come and go. They rise and fall. There's joy in some. There's sorrow in others. But here's my fear. Here's my concern. This is what God is pounding me on. Is that Dan, just because I don't do it the way you want to do it, doesn't mean that it's a failure. You see, we, I measure success spiritually so much in my own heart by the human rewards I see on this earth. I prayed for that person when they were sick and they lived. It doesn't always happen. It doesn't mean that person failed. But God sees more than us, doesn't he? That's faith and believing and trusting that he does. Because some of those situations you wrote down, I'm just here to say, even though I don't know what they are, what I know of God is there is a mystery in that circumstance you're dealing with, and you may never know on this earth. And it may be heartbreaking. And so I'm telling you, I'm learning, the only thing that matters then is that I know Jesus. Because here's what I want. Here's what I want for you. Here's what I want for me. I don't want to be a known as a person. Boy, they cre- preached some great sermons. Well, they did this and oh, they did this and they were a good dad and this and that. You know what? I don't want any of that. I want people to say one thing about me. I want people to say that man knew Jesus. He knew Jesus. Because everything else plays out. Because I know that I have and I will and you have and you will face some hell-like situations and at the end of it I want you to know Jesus I want you to be able to get back up and go to the next circumstance not because the last one finished well and in this American view of Christianity things going well Jesus he's my life things not going well uh, not sure about Jesus no Jesus is my life often more in the times I don't understand it and you don't understand it that's dependence on God that's dependence on God because whether you're living paycheck to paycheck whether you're in broken relationships whether you are in the heart of an addiction I would like to say that all of those things will be healed I know they can I know the one who can. But I'll tell you what. I look at Proverbs 16. And the NIV says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. All right, that works. Look at the NLT. Be careful here. Commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will, anybody know the word here? Succeed. Be very careful that our success spiritually is not measured in human terms because God doesn't measure in human terms. You will succeed, but it may look everything but when you rely on Jesus. Psalm 84 reminds us that knowing Jesus regardless of the circumstances is our reward. Here it is, one through four. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my God, and my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Verse 12, Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who, tw- who trusts in you. I want to share with you as I close 
I want to share with you a prayer I wrote this week. And I didn't write it for you all. <laughs> but um, I want to share it. As I was spending some time in my prayer journal this week, I wrote this prayer and the Lord brought this back to my mind as I was working on this sermon. And, and um, it, it's a prayer for you all. It's a prayer for me. Before I read that, let me read this verse from Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. So that if you would bow your heads and if you just want to listen to this prayer, I'm okay with that. But I want to pray it for us. This is unrefined. I didn't change it for you. God, may our energies be focused on you as you lead us. Give us the energy, the wisdom, and the strength to accomplish your will. But in that, God, may we never look more on the circumstances than we look upon you. God, be greater in the eyes of this congregation than any specific circumstance or situation. Always be on the forefront, God. Always be the primary focus. Always be the source of our perspective. Always be the center of our hope. Always be our guiding light. Always be our God. We need you, want you desperately, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We've got to be dependent on God. We're going to worship now. Maybe that circumstances, that circumstance you wrote down, maybe, maybe you haven't and you want to come and you want to commit that. Maybe you want to, you, you want to walk through that again. You can do that at your seat if you'd like, but uh, sometimes it's very meaningful to come to the altar and do that. So if you'd like to do that, I encourage you to do that as we close. But as we continue to seek to be dependent on God, I just encourage you to cling tightly to him. Cling tightly to him every step of the way. And what I know in that is we're going to know Jesus. And that's what I want us to be known for. Colleen would tell you, we don't want to be known as a church with primarily just because we have a good children's ministry. Josh would tell you, we don't want to be known as a church that just has a good youth ministry. Matt would tell you, hey, we got great worship teams. That's what we want to be known for. No, none of us would tell you that. Buildings, debt paid off. It's all beautiful, wonderful stuff that God provides. But when 2018 is over, you know what I hope people look back at ECOB? People that are watching, I hope they say, those people knew Jesus. Those people know Jesus. Nothing else matters. Let's worship.